Army veteran Will Morden started shipping cars for military families back in 2011 and discovered many military families were in need of assistance during their PCS moves. When he met Mike Fairhelm, they started what would become Transport for Troops and have now helped over 340 military families cover the costs of shipping their POVs during their PCS moves. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Navy Federal can help you get started on your next home improvement project. They offer a home equity line of credit with convenient access to funds when you need them at a variable rate. You can also get a fixed rate equity loan that has set monthly payments for large purposes. Check them out at NavyFederal.org. All right, today we're talking with Army veteran Will Morden, co-founder of Transport for Troops. Uh, Mike Firehelm, uh, Candyman Firehelm, couldn't be with us, with us today. He's out uh, actually driving cars around, right? So, um, Will, thanks for being here today. Looking forward to hearing this story. Before we get diving too deep into the business aspects of things, take us back. Tell us what you did in the Army. Uh, so I enlisted in 2003, uh, went in unassigned infantry, airborne. Um, they assigned me as 11 Charlie. So I ended up uh, getting through airborne school right around the time the invasion happened in Iraq. And my orders to Italy got shifted to Hawaii. So I wasn't too upset with that. <laughs> um, got out to Hawaii and, and about six months later, uh, we deployed to Iraq uh, in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, from 2004 to 2005 for about 14 months, uh, you know, we, we got to do our jobs and, and, uh, came back all in one piece little, but, um, I got out of the army in October, 2006. And, uh, that was my stint. I did the one deployment and just under four years total time, but had a lot of fun packed into that time. Just under four years, but yet 14 of it was in Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Almost immediately. They wanted to send me back when we got back from that. I said, let me enjoy Hawaii a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Busy times back then. The, it was about the same time I was in Iraq the first time. So, um, yeah, 04 was a real, real busy time. So, um, yeah. well, so talk about, so you decided to get out. What, what was your transition like? I mean, it was, uh, was it kind of a spur of the moment, totally unprepared. What am I going to do now? Kind of thing. Yeah, hundred percent unprepared. I mean, uh, I was, um, you know, had an IED hit, uh, got all my fingers and toes, but kind of rocked me pretty good. And, um, at the time there wasn't the same kind of support within the military that they have now, but, uh, they basically cut me loose, no IRR. And I owed the army a couple days worth of leave and someone stole my, my Mitch helmet. So I had to pay some money and sit at the gate until 1800 to leave the last day. But, it was no terminal leave and it was definitely something I wasn't ready for. Um, and, you know, transitioning out, you do the whole out process. I put an application in through, uh, you know, recruit military, which sat for several years. i actually didn't hear from anybody until home Depot called, uh, six years after I got out for some third shift seasonal work stacking pumpkins and Christmas trees in the parking lot. Wow. Uh, so it was kind of discouraging. Uh, I did have a lot of support from family, so I was definitely lucky getting out, having family support. Um, you know, I ended up living with my parents for uh, a couple of years as, you know, a super hit to the pride there. But, you know, I 
tried to find something to fit into, um, and got, you know, my mortgage broker's license in Miami in the summer of 2007. So it was horrible timing to be breaking into that industry and everybody was slimy. And when, when it all came tumbling down, I just sat there kind of laughing, like, of course, you know, you guys would be like this. And, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, you know, and if you have family, it definitely helped out a lot, but I certainly wasn't prepared. And as many people are aware, you don't really get help from uncle Sam on your way out the door. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of lip service done to it. And, uh, they, they try, but, um, you know, part of the problem is as a, as a typical veteran getting out, like you, you're still pretty young and you have no idea what you really want to do. And, um, you don't really know what's out there. So sometimes it takes just a couple of years of getting out and going out and getting punched in the face a few times before you find your way. Um, so talk about, um, what some of the first things that occurred, uh, we were talking before the interview started, I believe you answered like an ad on Craigslist regarding something, right? Yeah. So, uh, obviously, you know, the mortgages that didn't work out. That was within a year and a half of me getting out. That was clearly not going to be a career. So I started working for a a business that was owned by a family friend that rented and sold construction equipment in the Miami market. So I did that for about four or five years, but everybody that was working there was uh, a lackey, didn't have any initiative. And I was all fired up on, you know, core values and pushing objectives and trying to like take initiative on everything, which led me to the kind of look for ways to be more independent. And, uh, I saw an ad on Craigslist for a job, um, where they were, you know, guaranteeing certain pay, but it was kind of like, just write your own check and just go in and grind. And I realized that that kind of work suited me better just to go after it. And I threw myself into it, not knowing the business that I was, uh, you know, getting affiliated with was just a couple guys in an office that were ripping off old ladies that had to move their cars uh, like snowbirds that are coming down South from New York to Florida or, you know, kids moving across country or families moving across country. And so within a few weeks I was, you know, applying for my own license with DOT to, to do that job independently just because I saw, well, at least I could be honest and helpful and not lying to people. That's how I got into shipping cars. Yeah. So that, so what's the actual title of that job? Uh, it's, it's called a freight broker. Um, you know, yeah, we just arranging transportation. So I never touch anything. I I introduce someone who has a car to ship to somebody who's, you know, physically got the trucks to do the job. And that's actually a huge, uh, business. There's lots of businesses like mine in that, in that space. So you actually got a license as a freight broker. I've, I've heard this story many times from other veterans, other industries, they, they get into an industry and find out there's a lot of shadiness going on and people just ripping people off and they, they, but yet the business is viable. So they, they bring, you know, honor, courage, commitment and military values into it and become successful. Yeah, it's definitely, that definitely was the case. I never, I never experienced when starting my own business, I never had a down year. I, I didn't make a lot of money if it wasn't for my GI bill and, you know, disability that I get from the VA, I, I would have like, been homeless, but you know, my first year I, I profited $1,500 and then it just grew from there and word of mouth spread, you know, within a couple of years time, most of my customers without even saying I was a veteran were military families that were, you know, shipping cars on orders and, you know, needed help. But yeah, definitely, yeah. um, 
the honor, courage, commitment, the core values that you, you learn that are instilled in you. Uh, and many people bring in something like that when they even enlist that carries a lot of weight, I would say in, in work where a lot of people are not yeah. honest. All right. Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. If your new year's resolution has anything to do with fixing up your house, the Navy federal can help you get started on your next home improvement project. They offer a home equity line of credit with convenient access to funds when you need them at a variable rate. You can also get a fixed rate equity loan that has set monthly payments for large purchases. Consolidating debt with a home equity loan could also streamline and lower your monthly payments. And for those of us who may have spent a little too much over the holidays, Navy Federal Credit Union can help you pay down that credit card debt. You could get a low intro APR on balance transfers with their platinum credit card. It's their lowest rate card and it's a great tool to pay down debt. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Our members are the mission. Navy Federal is federally insured, equal housing lending, membership required, loan subject to approval. Call 1-888-842-6328 for details about credit costs and terms. HELOC APR is low as 6.5% as of November 23rd. All right, back talking with uh, Army veteran Will Morden, co-founder of Transport for Troops. So, Will, we're, we're finally to the meat and potatoes of the interview. So you're a freight broker, you're shipping cars, starting to make some money, bringing good core values into that industry. Things are starting to work for you. And you start touching, you, you start bumping into a bunch of military families. You're starting to ship cars for military families. What, what was the need there? For, tell, us the, tell us how that got started. And when did that light bulb come on that, hey, man, there's a need here for helping military families move their vehicles? Yeah, so uh, I got my license in 2011, and by 2013, uh, you know, I'd, I'd seen a lot of military applications, and you know, the, the question that some of them would ask, not all of them, is that do I offer any kind of discount because they were paying for these things? And you know, I, I had been stationed Oconus, and when I got out, they shipped one vehicle to my home of record, and they shipped the other one to a Conus port that I could pick up and drive myself, and that's what I did with my, you know, wife who was pregnant at the time, cross country from Oakland to Florida. So the need started to become apparent when, you know, not everybody's situation is identical. Some people are, you know, have a brand new baby or others, uh, you know, they have two cars and, and the wife has a medical condition that she can't drive or others. It's just, you know, my third PCS, I've done these cross country drives. It's taxing. We want to like have a more relaxing, uh, you know, transition to a new duty station and just the cost uh, of, moving across country, even from then until now has continued to climb. So it became apparent around 2013 that there might be a way that I could have a bigger impact than just a token discount. And so in certain cases, I would just do my services for free for these families, but they still had to pay the actual cost of the truck driver, which is the the bigger cost. Right. And uh, you know, that's kind of how the idea came. Like, how can I, how can I do something? I didn't give us transport for troops, but it, uh, it at least got me thinking in that direction, like how, how to have an impact. Yeah. So, so if you're doing a, if you're active duty doing a PCS and, and you've got two or three cars, but you only got one driver, the, the PCS move doesn't cover moving those vehicles uh, at all, or it doesn't cover the total cost. Um, how does it actually, how does that actually work? I, all my PCS moves, it was either, you know, me driving, in the beginning, I could fit everything I owned in the back of my car. And then eventually it got to the point where we'd load up the moving truck, you know, the movers would come and um, I'd hop in one vehicle 
uh, with a kid and my wife would hop in the other vehicle with a kid and dogs and we off we'd go. So I, I guess it never dawned on me that if you have excess vehicles or, or a lack of drivers, or the, I'm sure there's a hundred scenarios that can occur. How do you get, how do you get your vehicles moved? Yeah. I mean, that, that, there's a lot that's changed even in the last 10 years since we started this process uh, from a standpoint of what is provided through, you know, the joint travel regulations and the financial yeah. allowances that are given to service members, as well as the way that those are distributed. But, you know, to begin with, the industry itself uh, really has come of age in the last 10, 15 years. So the availability and access to a car hauling company or service hasn't been around even since, you know, the turn of the century. It's It's been there, but it hasn't been as easily accessed as it is now. So there's a lot of businesses like the one I started that popped up and started soliciting these services and offering it. So I think there's a combination of just the cost component going up and allowances not really necessarily matching the true out of pocket so that the service members are maybe doing like a, a diddy move or a partial diddy move and they're, they're driving, they're towing their car and they're getting some reimbursement from per diem and mileage, but it doesn't really match what they're paying to do the job. So it's just kind of like a little Stockholm syndrome. Like they're not going to sit there and complain. This is, this is part of the life. I've just got to suck it up and move. But as access to those services, kind of cross the, you know, the, the reality of the, the true cost being more than what many of them can afford. Um, and, you know, not every situation is a single soldier or sailor or Marine, whatever. There's a lot of families that have two cars. Another piece of that is to us, is like the safety issue alone. If you're driving a car, you're already a hundred times more dangerous than if you're flying. And if you got two cars, your family split, it's not only, you know, more dangerous, doubly dangerous, but it's also not a comfortable move. And, you know, part of what our hope is, is to alleviate that stress and kind of close the gap between what they're paying and the stress that they're going through on the move itself, as well as, you know, just make it safer, make it safer for them to to move to their new duty station. But yeah, it isn't, it isn't covered. In fact, recently, uh, which I don't know if you're going to ask this or not, but the government's uh, changed the way that they provide allowances for PCS. So now they give them a, a government travel credit card. And if you want to be reimbursed, that's the only tool that you can use to be reimbursed. However, the receiving command audits the list of, of expenses and then picks whatever they're going to cover and whatever isn't covered. You've got 30 days to pay it back. Otherwise you're going to be on some high interest, you know, credit card that you're getting that you have to pay back to the government. So it's, um, and plus inflation. So there's been some cost increases and allowance restructuring that makes it even more challenging now for, uh, you know, CONUS moves. And then the O-CONUS moves, they only cover one vehicle shipping. So if you've got two cars in Germany, they don't cover the second car at all, even for O-CONUS. Wow. So, and, and no matter what the circumstance there, that's on you to figure out. So did you guys actually work with O-CONUS uh, shipping also, or just domestic? So we just started to accept, uh, so we, we're not trying to uh, ever be adversarial with the government. So if PCS, my POV, if you've got, you know, the, the company that does the contract for the government has shows that they shipped your Dodge Ram, but your wife's got a Chevy Cobalt and they're not shipping her car. As long as we can demonstrate we're not uh, crossing any wires, stepping on the toes of what the government's taking care of, we, we just started to offer reimbursement uh, for those services as well. And we have a few partners that can give us like super competitive pricing, but it's still, uh, 
that's brand new. We just discovered Oconus wasn't getting the second vehicles just in the last couple months. In fact. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're a freight broker. You're in the business. You start bumping up against military families that are having these troubles and needs and you come up with the idea. Maybe there's, maybe there's a viable idea or, or possibility to, to help out. And so you, you went down the non the nonprofit road. Can you cover some of the ins and outs and, uh, bumps in the road as far as uh, starting a military nonprofit? Yeah. So I'll back up initially. So in 2013, I was helping a a Marine, I believe it was a Marine. I can't even remember the guy's name, but I, he was in dire straits. He didn't have enough to even pay to ship. And I waived my fee and, you know, I was shopping him around the carriers and I, that's where I first met Mike um, who was, had his own trucking company and was, you know, I told him what I was doing, asked him if he would help me out. He gave a discount as well, uh, basically did it at cost. And then that started a conversation that from 2013 through 2016, he and I did a combination of discounts and, you know, anytime he, he didn't pick the car up, he would help me, uh, you know, cover some of the, the costs, but we, we just would try and help people as we could go. And in 2016, one of his customers, um, you know, uh, who was in, involved in another nonprofit who was a seasonal traveler from Minnesota to Arizona, uh, called us and asked if, if we could help move a vehicle for their nonprofit. And um, they basically, it was a Gold Star family that reacquired this truck that the uh, service member uh, who passed on deployment, um, you know, that they had sold before the deployment. They wanted to get it back because it was just a memory of their father, the husband, you know, they, they wanted that back. So they got it back and they asked us if we would help. We moved that vehicle around the country several times for that organization, kind of as a, you know, a showpiece of their commitment to mm-hmm. the families that they support, but also it kind of gave us an opportunity to show people like, hey, we, we want to help too. And so in 2016, uh, his name's Perry. He pointed me in the direction of, you need to start this process with the IRS. And nearly three years later, uh, after arm wrestling with the IRS, we got our determination letter from the IRS. And the, the whole process usually takes uh, six to nine months on average for a 501c3 to be oh, yeah. you know, given a certificate. But for us, the reason why it took so long is even the IRS couldn't believe until they saw the JTR, which is over five years, until they saw everything that there was a gap there. It, they finally determined, you know what, this is a charitable cause that you guys have going. So they awarded the the 501c3 status to us. But it was definitely, I say I got an associate's degree in applying for a nonprofit because <laughs> I spent <laughs> a couple of years fighting the IRS on it. Well, you know, the IRS and the government in general has gotten really tight on the whole veteran nonprofit thing because there's, unfortunately, there's been a lot of fraud and scam going on, you know, the rent-a-vet concept and, you know. Yeah. The, put some veterans name on it and throw a veteran cause. And then you start collecting a ton of money and very little of it, if any makes it to veterans. So, uh, in the, you know, once post September 11th, you know, the, the veteran nonprofit applications to the IRS just were like open the floodgates. And so it's, there's been a lot of that going on. So it is, it is not easy. It's not easy to start up a legit veteran nonprofit because of all the, the, chaff in, in, in the, in the water, you know? Um, so the chum in the water, chaff in the air. So, um, but 
you, you push through and you finally got your determination letter, which was what finally validates you as a legit nonprofit. So, um, talk through, um, some of your numbers, uh, since, since you've started doing this, what kind of success stories you got and how many families and vehicles you guys have helped out and moved. Yeah. So, um, in January, 2018, when we got our determination letter, uh, my company Plymouth, you know, and I had a small team of people at the time, I told everybody, anybody's military, have them go sign up for a reimbursement on our website at transportfortroops.org just so that they could at least get a future reimbursement. We didn't have any money, but like we wanted to pledge uh, reimbursement based on our benefit table to anyone who would apply. And uh, not everybody did. I had a lot of people I was twisting their arms saying, listen, if you can please do this, I know I, I won't give you the money because of some officers, for instance. And I said that you could pay it forward to somebody just tell all your, your, you know, subordinates to come here and apply. I, I promise like we're committed to reimbursing you. So since January of 2018 until now, we've had uh, over 300 and well, over 350 applicants. Um, some of them were not approved. Uh, most of them were, though. I'd say I think it's about 339 as of today. Uh, but more recently, in, in uh, December of last year, we were featured by uh, a local uh, Fox affiliate here where I am in, in Greenville, South Carolina. And they told the story in a very, uh, very eloquent way and actually uh, interviewed one of our recipients, our, our most recent recipients, who's in the Air Force. And the story uh, that they told, sorry, my phone went off, uh, the story that they were able to tell kind of gave us further validation. So that spread through some social media platforms. And um, that led to, at, since December 20th of last year, we've had over 91 approvals. So about 26% of all of our applications in the last five years have happened in the last month, sure. uh, which is great. Um, our commitment is to reimburse everyone. So we're kind of on a fundraising warpath and awareness campaign simultaneously. We do have a partnership with um, United Road, which is the largest car hauler that they ship a 4 million plus cars a year. Wow. They, um, they've committed to giving us nine free moves a month, which initially was, we'll give you a 50 and I knocked 50 out. And then they said, we'll give you a hundred more. And then I gave them too many too fast. So they, they want to scale it. So <laughs> we've, we've been able to give away free shipping. We're booked all the way through um, April, I believe. So we're, yeah. we get discounts, but also free moves, but that's, that's kind of our numbers as of right now. I think a total of 76 of the families have gotten full reimbursement from us. Yeah or reshipping, uh, in that time. So we still have a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Now what, one kind of one misconception a lot of folks have about, I want to jump into the veteran nonprofit and help out vets and families. And, and they, they think they're jumping in to help, help them move their cars and they start off that way, but then they quickly realize, Oh, now I'm actually in the raising money business. I'm in the, I got to go raise money for this nonprofit. It sounds like most of your money so far has come in the form of uh, shipping companies offering free, sh free shipping or heavily discounted shipping. Are you actually raising money like cash money operating funds outside of uh, uh, shipping companies donating free rides? Uh, yes, we have actually gotten um, sponsorships from a few businesses and some small foundations. We're a, what's considered under 501 C three, a public charity. So 
It's a 509A2, which is basically the majority of our support comes from individuals. Um, But we have received, you know, uh, I say small, pretty large, substantial grants, like pilot truck stops, for instance, gave us $5,000 plus $5,000 in gas cards. So a total of $10,000, which we gave all of it away within the first 10 days. Um, But that opened up a whole new program, which we hadn't thought of which is the fuel reimbursement because even with the malt allowances the that are provided if someone decides to drive their car there's still an out-of-pocket cost so we give a couple hundred dollars worth of gas yeah. um but yeah we are we we challenge individuals and in fact if everybody who's active in the military if, if uh, 1.2 million if everybody just gave 20 bucks a month which is not nothing but if they did that it would be self-funded within the military and 100 percent of the money would go right back to them when they have to move uh obviously like that's a, an awareness thing and we're not asking them to do it but we are engaging with businesses and individuals who are making donations and i'd mm-hmm. say about half of the vehicles we've shipped have been in kind donations, the other half have been funded through uh, money we've raised. Awesome. So, how do we find transport for troops? How do we get more info if somebody's in need of your services, or if somebody wants to donate or or get involved, help out? How do we find you? So the website is all spelled out: transportfortroops.org. Um, there's a donate button on the page there. There's also, um, you know, a grants page for people to apply. That's on the top bar. And we're encouraging people to apply to also go on the homepage below there. There's our logo duplicated several times because we can't use DOD's images. But you can click on the logo beneath your branch of service and start your own peer-to-peer fundraising campaign in support of your branch. So it's not so much a come help me, even though it technically is. And 100% of the money that's donated to those fundraisers on our site goes straight to that branch. So if we've got a bunch of Marines that set fundraisers up, we take none of that. That goes all to them and to other Marines. Um, so not only cool. are we asking people to apply, but, you know, kind of help spread the word and, um, you know, kind of empower them to help yeah. us help them. Yeah. And you're still working as a freight broker. So I took, I, I took uh, all of, let's see, December 21, I, I stepped down. Um, I have uh, a, someone who's managing Plymouth for me, and we do have to tell people, like, if they hire Plymouth to do the job, that if we're paying Plymouth, it's, the IRS makes it very you know strict that we're explicit with that. But yeah. I, I haven't been working anything but transport for troops for 14 months now, so oh, no this kidding. has been my full-time effort. Wow. Yeah, I saved some money, and I, I threw in 18 months I could – run it and see what happens. And we've, we've uh, made some good inroads and got some good commitments. So as long as I can, hopefully uh, get to do this full time is my goal. But yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I do. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time. So, um, so Will, let me know. You, you finally found your niche getting out of the army. You got into the nonprofit world when you're in it full time. Now things are going great. You're growing. What's that? What's that feel like? I, to me, transport for troops. I, I tell people was uh, was a lifesaver to me uh, during the process of getting the five hundred one c three approval. Uh, there was several individuals, a few of them who were, were friends of mine during um, my deployment, who uh, had taken their own lives and just not finding a fit. And so, what's really 
we hope to help in, you know, in those cases as well, get, um, you know, people to, uh, you know, visit with their families. Uh, well, I say families with their comrades and their comrades, families in yeah. those cases. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been a lifesaver. I, I don't believe in like altruism. I, I get a lot of, uh, satisfaction out of being able to help these families. It means a lot to me to be able to take a lot of that stress off. And if I can be the squeaky wheel and, and get people to like, just get the public to be aware that there's a need and, and bring in the support like that, that it really means a lot. And I like all the other organizations that give, uh, you know, we allocate 85% of every dollar that we raise goes straight to the service members. Um, you know, so we're, we're not trying to keep anything in house and we haven't yet. I mean, I'm not getting a paycheck, but we are committed to that and more as long as we can help others and bring other veterans in and, and spouses who want to assist, you know, that it, it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to, to stay engaged and, and, you know, kind of be part of the family still as, as it is, you know, like that means a lot to me. That's awesome. Well, I'll give you the last word. If, if you're talking to somebody that's on their way out of the military, maybe not sure what they want to do, thinking about running their own business, getting involved in entrepreneurship, what kind of advice comes to mind? Just, you know, you're capable of a lot, no matter what your job was, no matter what your skill set is, you're, you've already got an advantage, I believe, over much of the public sector because of the things you've already gone through, even in basic training. So just keep your head down. And if you ever, you know, wanted to talk to somebody, I'm always available. If I miss your call, I'm, I'll call you right back, but yeah, you're, awesome. uh, you're worth it. All right. Appreciate that. Will. well, uh, look forward to seeing your future success and, uh, good, good luck to you and transport for troops and, uh, you're doing good things. So keep up the good work. Make us proud. Thank you. I appreciate your time. All right. These two veterans are asking Mike. Thank you for listening to veteran on the move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.